0: On Auschwitz. The history of Auschwitz is exceptionally complex. It combined two functions: a concentration camp and extermination center. Nazi Germany persecuted various groups of people there, and the camp complex was continually expanded and transformed. In the podcast on Auschwitz, we discuss the details of the history of the camp, as well as our contemporary memory of this important and special place. In the second half of 1944, due to the Red Army successes and the advancing Eastern Front, the SS authorities in the German Auschwitz camp decided to evacuate some 65,000 prisoners to camps in the Reich interior. At the same time they began to destroy the evidence of the crimes committed in the camp. Dr. Jacek Lachendro from the Research Center of the Museum talks about the last period of the operation of Auschwitz. The date of deliberation of Auschwitz 27th of January 1945 is regarded as the camp's closing date. Were the perpetrators, the SS Camp authorities, making any preparations to leave the campgrounds before the advancing front?
1: Tak, miało to miejsce już niemal pół roku przed ostateczną likwidacją obozu, kiedy armia sowiecka.
0: Yes, nearly half a year before the final liquidation of the camp, when the Soviet army, following its operations in the eastern and southeastern parts of Poland, within its current borders, of course, reached the line of the rivers Devistula and Wisłoka. These operations continued in July and August, with the front stopping some 200 kilometers from the Auschwitz concentration camp in August. During this operation, they seized the grounds of the Majdanek camp in Lublin. And this also became, as one might assume, a reason for reflection on the future of the Auschwitz concentration camp. Meanwhile, Auschwitz reached the peak of its development in the summer of 1944. Both in terms of territorial expansion, it was a massive complex comprising three major parts, Auschwitz I, the main camp, Wirkenau and the Monowitz Camp, and dozens of subcamps located in western Lesser Poland and mostly in Upper Silesia. However, it reached expansion peak, particularly in terms of the number of incarcerated prisoners. In August of 1944, more than 100,000 people were imprisoned in the camp complex. Majority of them Jews, but also Poles, and prisoners from the then Soviet Union. Besides the over 100,000 registered prisoners, about 30,000 Jews were detained in so-called transit camps. They were not registered, but sent successively to various camps and workplaces, mainly in Germany. Meanwhile, as the Red Army continued to gain grounds on the Eastern Front, the SS camp authorities contemplated how to react to all these events and what actions to take and not take at Auschwitz. There are no available documents on the exact decision-making process. We may presume here, based on post-factum actions, that the SS and camp authorities on the one hand decided to stop the expansion of the camp and send some of the materials and inmates from the Auschwitz camp complex to other concentration camps located inside the Third Reich. On the other hand, however, the decision was taken to keep many prisoners at this camp for as long as possible mainly because they were employed either on the camp farms, in workshops, warehouses and factories located near or within the main camp, or in the Monowitz camp, or employed in the construction of the IG Farben chemical plant, or, above all, in the subcamps located near the factories, steelworks and mines, mostly in Upper Silesia. Thus, on the one hand, a gradual evacuation was carried out, but on the other, efforts were made to make the best possible use of this slave labor of prisoners in industry or agriculture. Following these measures, 65,000 prisoners were transported to various concentration camps within the Third Reich in the second half of 1944. Meanwhile, deportations of groups continued to Auschwitz, notably Jews from Slovakia and Terzenstadt ghetto, as well as Poles from Insurgent Warsaw. Ultimately, following the removal of prisoners from the camp and deportations to the camp as of mid January nineteen forty five, an estimated sixty seven thousand prisoners were still in the Auschwitz camp
1: complex. So the
0: German camp authorities, despite knowing that they had to evacuate and liquidate,
1: continued to receive new transports? One can presume that it wasn't entirely a matter of
0: knowing they had to evacuate. The tendency was that while some prisoners are to be deported, employment should continue as usual. One might even assume that some of the decision-makers, whether in the SS authorities or the directors of various industrial plants in Upper Silesia, continued to believe that the fortunes of the war would reverse and they would conquer the Allies. Such examples and suggestions could be the decisions to create successive new subcamps next to the industrial plants in Upper Silesia. In September, subcamps were set up such as Althammer in Starakuznia, where prisoners were employed in the construction of the thermal power station, and the Bismarckhütte subcamp in Chorzów, where prisoners were recruited to work at the Bismarck steelworks. A subcamp, Charlotte Grube, was created in Rydwutowy, where prisoners were deployed to work in the coal mine. In December 1944, another subcamp, Hubertshütte, was established near Bitom, where prisoners were sent to work in the steelworks. Finally, at the turn of 1944 and 1945, yet another agriculture and livestock subcamp called Poivre was established very close to the Birkenau camp, which proves that there was a view all along, at least among some of the decision makers, that employment should continue and that the fortunes of the war would still reverse. One such symbolic example of this belief which for me is particularly memorable, is the incident of 18 of January 1945, when the camp was practically in a state of liquidation. The prisoners had either already been let out on evacuation route or successive groups were preparing. And then Joachim Cesar, the manager of the farms ordered that water in the central heating system at the rice Horticular Farm be drained. He explained that the water had to be drained
1: so the installation wouldn't be damaged since we would be returning here. <try> Could it be said that the camp
0: authorities only evacuated the labor force, that is, prisoners who were fit to continue
1: working? In mid January 1945,
0: the SS and camp authorities decided on the final evacuation and liquidation of Auschwitz. Perhaps the word evacuation is not the most appropriate, as it tends to have such a positive connotation when a group of people are being rescued from an endangered place. Here on the one hand it is difficult to speak of rescuing these Auschwitz prisoners by transferring them to other concentration camps, but on the other hand there is simply no suitable word for this sequence of events in the second half of January 1945. Then as I said, the authorities decided to liquidate and evacuate the camp. This was due to another offensive by the Red Army which began on January the 12th. The actions of the Soviet side from these positions I mentioned earlier, more or less along the line of the Vistula and Wisłoka rivers, took a favorable turn for the Soviets and forced the Germans to retreat. In effect, the Red Army reached the outskirts of Krakow on 17th of January, which was the main reason for the decision to move the prisoners out of the camp complex. In this evacuation of prisoners, those who were deemed fit to march were to take part while the others were to stay in the blocks, in the camp barracks. Those who were debiliated also joined the march because it was rumored in the camp that those who remained would be executed. There was talk that the camp was being mined and would be blown up or that the Germans would spray poisonous gases that would cause the death of these people. Accordingly, 56,000 prisoners were evacuated from the camp, only about 2,000 were taken from the two sub-camps directly by train to Mauthausen. Prisoners were leaving the camp, and the largest groups were directed to march to Wodzisław Śląski and Gliwice. This is a distance of around 50-60 from Oświęcim. From there, they were transported by rail to other concentration camps. Similarly, the vast majority of prisoners incarcerated in the Upper Silesian subcamps were to be transferred to other camps. Some were sent to Gliwice, but the majority, or a significant proportion, were later sent on foot marches to other concentration camps. The best example is the Neudach sub prisoners in Yavozno, who walked a distance of over 300 kilometers to Grosrozen camp on foot. This evacuation took place in freezing snowy winter conditions. For many prisoners, even those who on the outside looked like they still had some strength left, it was a grueling, harrowing experience. For many of them it ended in death. This was mainly due to the unfavourable weather conditions and the rigour the assessment tried to maintain. Prisoners who stopped without permission or tried to tend to their physiological needs or even adjust their shoes were either beaten or shot. As a result, around 3,000 prisoners lost their lives in Upper Silesia and Opole Silesia. Further prisoners perished during the subsequent transport to other concentration camps. The exact numbers of those who died during the evacuation of the camp are not known, nevertheless it can be assumed that at least 9,000 of them lost their lives. Hence, these marches and evacuation are called marches of
1: death. The evacuation, as you mentioned, was also accompanied by the
0: liquidation of the camp.
1: What was its purpose? The first steps aimed at liquidating the camp were already being taken in the
0: autumn of 1944. The objectives varied. Once the Maidanek camp was occupied, the SS began destroying documents that could show or prove the crimes committed at the camp. They destroyed documentation on prisoners so their personal details could be erased especially the number of those deported. They did this to erase all traces of the scale of the crimes committed here, particularly on the Jews, deported in mass transports. However, when the decision was taken to stop the extermination of the Jews at the end of October and beginning of November of 1944, they began dismantling the installations in the gas chambers and crematoria at Birkenau and made preparations to blow them up. Only one crematorium was left, crematorium number 5, where the corpses of dead or murdered prisoners were burned in the final weeks of the camp's operation. Barracks were dismantled on the large scale on the Birkenau site, notably in the building section 3, the so-called Mexico. Also the dismantling of barracks began in section B1 of the former women's camp, from which prisoners were gradually transferred to other parts of the camp. Efforts were made to intensify the removal of items that had been looted from the Jews deported here and murdered in the Birkenau camp. The process of destroying documents, obliterating traces of the crime and liquidating the camp was intensified in January of 1945, when a huge part of the camp documentation was burned on piles. Care was also taken to deport as many items as possible, looted from the Jews and still lying in the warehouses. They also tried to transport building materials gathered in the camp, which could have been used to build barracks or, in any case, could have been used in other concentration camps. Finally, once the prisoners had been let out of the camp and only a few remained, the camp was no longer controlled and guarded by permanent SS posts but by flying patrols, who came to the Birkenau camp and set fire to the storage depot containing the Jewish property that had not been transported. It included the complex of more than thirty barracks that had it included a complex of thirty barracks that had been nearly burned to the ground, buildings of crematoria two and three, or crematorium number five which was blown up literally hours before the Red Army arrived here. The prisoners had already demolished the crematorium four building as it had been heavily damaged in october nineteen forty four during a revolt by Sonderkommando
1: Prisoners.
0: All episodes of the On Auschwitz Podcast are available at auschwitz.org. podcasts. We kindly ask you to support our mission and share our podcast in social media.